I want you to look tonight at this subject of power. Now, I just want to be honest. We, we come and we saw in verse 18 um, the, the idea of Paul praying that our eyes of our heart would be open, that we'd understand the hope of our calling and we'd understand the inheritance and the glory of that inheritance that we have. But then in verse 19, he takes it now to another level. And he says, what is exceeding greatness of his power? Now, I want to first deal with the availability of power. You say, what do you mean? Well, the, the way this reads in verse 19 is it's a power that's already available to every child of God. In other words, it's not something we have to achieve to gain. It's not something that we gain as we grow in grace and knowledge. It's something we already have the moment God saved us. Now you say, how do I have this power? Well, because like everything else we've looked at in Ephesians 1, this power is the person of Jesus Christ. He is this power. Now you say, preacher... How do you know it's not something external from him? Well, I got news for you. The father never operates external to his son. But not only that, but the Bible says that all power in heaven and earth was given unto Christ. So in other words, whatever this power is, it was given to Christ. And it says here that we have it available to us. How do we have it available to us? Because if you're saved today, you have Christ. The Bible also says in Romans 1.4, it says he was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. So God made the, the declaration that Jesus Christ would be the Son of God with power. And so when God saved us, he gave us his Son. When God gave us his Son, listen, here's the glorious news of it all. We have available to us whatever power Christ had available to him is available to us. And you say, well, preacher, are you saying I can walk in the same power as Jesus Christ walked? I'm saying to you, absolutely you can because it's Christ walking in you. It's not you walking next to Christ. And so, yes, that is available to us. Now, I want to talk about this power and exactly what does this power mean to you and I. Well, this power is something that was needed for us to even receive the Christian life. So notice under this availability the power of the Christian life. Would you agree and would I agree today that whatever it took for God to save me, whatever it took for God to save you, it took amazing, amazing, mighty power of God to bring it about. You and I need to understand that if we don't understand what God did when he saved us. You're never going to understand how to live. You're never going to understand what you have when you were saved by the life and the grace of the Lord Jesus. I mean, the Bible says that when we were lost, we were without God and without strength. Isn't that amazing in Romans 5? The Bible says we were without strength when we were lost. But now watch what happens. When God saved us, he took us that were without strength and now empowered us, not just with a power that walks us through moment by moment, but a power that is the power of the everlasting Son of God 
living within us. And so He took us, and he, by His power, He redeemed us. It's amazing when you think about what God had to do to save us. I mean, you and I are, are men and women that, that walked in the course of this world. I mean, listen, you and I could not deliver ourselves, could not save ourselves, could not help ourselves in our sin and in our salvation. But isn't it amazing that God stepped in on your behalf, stepped in on my behalf, and he did something for us that we couldn't do ourselves. And listen, the same God, the same God that saved you is the same God that wants to live through you. And the same power he utilized to save you and redeem you is the same power that Paul was praying that we would live by on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll deal with this in detail next this coming Sunday. But look at Ephesians 2 and verse 2. Notice what transpired when God saved us. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. In other words, when I was lost, when you were lost, we walked in accordance with a different power, the power of the prince and the power of this world, and that the Spirit now worketh in you of children of disobedience. That's who we were, among whom also we had our conversations in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Here's the power. Even when you were dead in sins, he quickened, he made alive us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you were walking the course of the prince and the power of this world, and then God intervened, and God came in, and God took residence, and God took you who were dead and made you alive with resurrection power. And this is the power that brought Christian life. But I want you to see, secondly, not only is it's power that brought Christian life available to us. But it's the power of Christian living that's available to us. Because what Paul is dealing with here in the context is these saints, these, cho- these ones that have been saved and redeemed, and he's praying that they would walk in the reality of this power in which God utilized to save them. They would now begin to walk in the reality of it in their own lives. This word power used here, it says what is the exceeding greatness of his power. It speaks of of something that is ongoing. It's always going to be exceedingly great. One Bible commentator put it this way, it is superly, abundantly powerful. And so what it means is, the word power here is the word dunamis. It's the word we get the word dynamite from in the English language. And so it is a power that is exceedingly great in our life. And so therefore, how do I live? I live by the power of that saved me. The same power that saved me is the same power that I live by. So how does this reflect in our lives? I mean, listen. You have to understand, there's two powers in which you and I could never overcome. And you say, what were they? Well, one of them was the power of death. The other is the power of evil. 
You and I could never overcome those two. In other words, because we were born as mortal men and women, guess what? You're going to see death. But yet at the same time, because we were born from our mother's womb in iniquity, because of the fall of Adam, you and I were born in evil. But isn't it amazing today that God intervened and circumvented both of these powers that you and I couldn't overcome? So in other words, am I going to see death? Well, if the rapture don't happen first, I will see a physical death. But aren't you glad today that if you're saved, you'll never experience a spiritual death? And not only that, but even your physical death, can I tell you something? It's just temporary. And you say, what do you mean it's just temporary? Because there's coming a day when he'll resurrect even the dead bodies of the saints of God. And so this is something that is available for us to live the Christian life. Now, how does it look like? What does it do for me in living the Christian life? Well, I want you to see a couple of things. It's the power of perseverance. Can I tell you this power that's exceeding greatly that God has given us in Christ Jesus is the power to persevere. You to persevere in a couple of ways. It's a securing power. You say, what do you mean? 1 Peter 1, 5, who, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that I don't have to keep myself. I'm so glad that I, it don't relegate upon what I do or what I don't do. I'm so glad I'm kept by the power of the holy God that spoke and creation came into existence. It's a securing power. But it's a sustaining power. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, this exceeding great power... Can I tell you today, it's going to get you through the coronavirus. Can I tell you today, it gets you through your circumstances. Can I tell you today, it'll get you through everything God has for you in your life. Hey, listen, sometimes God's will for our life is to walk through difficulties. Sometimes God's will for our life is to have tribulation and troubles and trials. But here's the glory of it all, the power of God that gives us through Christ, that sustains us. Hey, can I tell you, I can't be defeated, I can't be destroyed, I can't be dismantled. Why? Because His power is sufficient for me and you. It's an amazing thing. I remember Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, I was tried but not destroyed. And, and he goes on all these things that he lays out of all these things that come upon his life. But he said all these things was just God working the cross and working death in him. God sustains us through his power. So listen to what I'm about to say. I have no idea what you're going through right now. I don't know what you may be going through financially, physically, emotionally, family. I don't have any idea what you're going through now. But here's what I hear him to tell you, that no matter what you're going through, if you're truly a child of God, here's the one thing you can bank on. Here's the one thing you can rest on. The power of an almighty God will sustain you in the midst of it. But there's a second aspect. Not only is it a power to persevere, it's a power to prevail. You say, what do you mean prevail? Well, this exceeding greatness of his power to us. It's a prevailing power. 
You say, preacher, I don't understand. What do you mean? Well, can I tell you? The Bible says that he gives us power over sin. Isn't it amazing today as a child of God, I can prevail over sin. I can prevail over temptation. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong tonight. I'm not saying you're going to be sinless perfect because we still deal with this old flesh and we still deal with this old humanity. But here's the reality of it. God has given you and our power, resurrection power. Hey, the power of the cross we just sung about in which Jesus accomplished when he died for us, buried for us, but rose again for us. And he is our power over temptation and sin. It's one of the reasons why I have such a difficulty with people that say, hey, I lived so many years out of the will of God, and then I came back to God. Well, I got news for you. Hey, if you have resurrection power, if you have victorious power, if you have triumphant power, how in the world did you live all those years away from God? His power wouldn't let you do that. You see, it's a power that prevails. Read Romans 6, it'll tell you about this prevailing power. But secondly, it's a power over strongholds. What is my power in war, spiritual warfare? What is my power in the battles of my mind? It is the power in which God gave you and I through Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Listen to what it says. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but notice the word here. But mine through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, I want you to stop there and, and look up at your screen, if you will. What are these strongholds? I hear all these preachers say it. Well, these strongholds are, are enemies that come against us. These strongholds are, are people that persecute me. These strongholds. Hey, listen. God tells us what these strongholds are. You say, well, what are they? Well, can I tell you? It's wrong thinking. That's what strongholds are. You say, where do you find that in the Bible? The very next verse, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself above the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So I want to tell you something today. One of the things, how you think is how you're going to live. And one of the things the power of God will do in your life is it'll bring you in line with his way of thinking and his way of understanding. And all of a sudden you'll begin to develop a mind in which you begin to think like he does. You desire what he does. You don't desire what he don't desire anymore. And it's the power of God that delivers you from the stronghold of improper thinking. But it's also a power that delivers you from the stronghold of spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong. How? In the Lord, in His power, and in the power of His might. Boy, I hear preachers all the time trying to tell me that I, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this to have victory. I got news for you. I can't do nothing to have victory. I already have victory. All I need to do is rest in his power of victory. And watch what it says. Put on the whole armor of God 
Now, you Liberty folks, you know my stance on this. The home armor of God is nothing more and nothing less than Christ himself, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me ask you a question. You take Christ out of you, and how are you going to make it against principalities and powers of this world? It is only by His power and it is only by Him can you and I walk in victory over the spiritual warfares of our life. So I got news. If Satan comes and tries to to derail or tries to cause you to think wrongly or tries to call you to detour away from the will of God, what I have to bank on, what can I rest on? I want to tell you what it is. It's the power of God that sustains you and it's the power of God that prevails for you. The Bible says he is able. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there's five or six statements in the New Testament where Paul says he is able. And what it speaks of is that ability of God to be able to do something in our life. And some of those verses, he's able to keep you from falling. He's able to secure you in all temptation. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly over anything we can ask or think. I want to tell you something today. The problem it not, does not lie with God's ability. The problem lies with us trying to fight our battles in our own strength when the whole time the power of God is made available to us. So that's what this power is. That's this exceeding greatness of his power that is available to us. So preacher, how do I tap into this power? How do I walk in this power? Well, notice what it says. To what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? Who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. Notice this. Faith is the catalyst to allow us to walk in this available power. Look at a couple of things. It's an exercise power. It says power to usward. It means that, that Christ Jesus, who is our power, God has channeled all his power to us through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the power of Elohim, the mighty creator of all things, was given to Christ, and then in turn, God the Father gave Christ to you and I. It's an exercise power. He's exercised that power to you and to me. One of the songs that I love singing is that great hymn, How Great Thou Art. Listen to one of the verses of that song that we sing so often. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands hath made, I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, 
Now listen, thy power throughout the universe display. So in other words, what is that hymn saying? It says, hey, look up into the skies. You can see the power of God. Look up on the earth. You can see the power of God demonstrated before us, declared before us. But I got news for you. Let me tell you to look somewhere else. Let me tell you not to just look in the sky. Not to just look upon his creative power of this earth. But why don't you look inside? Why don't you look inward? And you find out the one that created it all lives in you and lives through you. You see, it is this power that is available to you and I. And it is this power through which you and I can not only know has been exercised towards us, but is experiential power. We can experience in our life in a moment-by-moment, day-by-day occasion. It is this power. Now, I want you to see this. If you're not careful with this verse, you'll get a wrong doctrine. A lot of people will interpret this verse the greatness of His power to usward who believe, and then they'll separate that from the last part according to the working of His mighty power. Now, I want to caution you, and I want you to see this. If you translate it that way, then here's what you're going to come to the place of. You're going to come to the place of, God gives me power as I believe. That's not what this verse is saying. The word believe here really connects to the second part, according to the working of His mighty power. You say, what do you mean? Well, it's the working of His mighty power that allows me to believe. Now, here's the reality. God doesn't give me power as I believe. God's already gave it to me. Here's the reality of it. God allows me to walk in what He's given me as I, by faith, walk moment by moment, day by day. In other words... Let me ask you this. Are you asking God to give you power? Or are you thanking God for the power He's already given you? Most of the prayers I hear today is, God, I pray you'd give this. I hear this people praying for preachers all the time. God, I pray you'd give this preacher power to preach the gospel. And I'm sitting here going, oh, goodness. God left something out. Oh, I want to tell you, God didn't leave nothing out. If they're called, if they're saved, they already have the power to preach the gospel. It's just, we need to say, hey, this, how about this? God, I want to thank you today that this man you called unto yourself, this man that's going to preach the gospel right here, you've already given him the power. Now, I pray that power would be manifested through his life. No wonder Paul prayed in Philippians 3. No wonder Paul prayed in Philippians 3 that he would know the power of his resurrection. No wonder he prayed that in Philippians 3. He'd already been converted. He'd already been saved. He'd already counted all things but dung that he may go Christ. But he said, I'm not satisfied there. I'm not, listen, I'm not satisfied with my salvation getting me in. I want to go on. And oh God, I know about you. I know you from saving knowledge. But oh God, I want to know you through experiential knowledge. I want to know what the power of his resurrection is is moment by moment, day by day in my life. How much of the power of God, the person of Christ, 
are you enjoying day by day in your life? That's what Paul's praying here. He says that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know the hope of His calling, that you may know the riches of the glory of His hands, that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward. Oh, that you would know what's made available to you. We'll look lastly here at the activity of power. So we see the availability of power. It's available to us. We see the appropriation of this power. It's not that we, we by faith, get more of God's power. It's by faith we walk in what God's given us. But what's the activity of this power? How is this power manifest? Well, notice what it says. According to the working of His mighty power. Well, there's three words here, working, mighty, and power, that are very descriptive of this phrase. You see, something you need to know, that the word power used in the beginning of verse 19 is that word dunamis, dynamite, we get the word from. The word working is the word we get the word energy from. The word mighty is a word that we kind of get the idea of coming to a place of being equipped or being enabled. And then this last word, power, is a totally different Greek word than used in the beginning of the verse. So let's break this down. What is the activity of this power of God that's available to us that you and I can walk in moment by moment, day by day by faith? It's the effectual power of God. What do you mean? It's the full energy or expressed power of God. Think about it. The full energy of God released in and through your life. Working in us. Working in us. The picture here is that God gave us His power through Christ and begins to express that power. All His energy being expressed through you and I, moment by moment, day by day. Boy, isn't that glorious to know? Isn't that glorious to know that God wants to express His power through you and me moment by moment, day by day? You say, why in the world would God want to do that? Oh, I want to tell you why. Why, why did Jesus come? You say, well, He came to die. Yes, He did. But before He died, what was God's purpose in Jesus coming? John 1, the God who could not be seen was seen in the person of who? Christ Jesus. So what were they seeing in Jesus that would resemble the Father? You remember, Philip said, show me the Father. The Lord said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what were they seeing in Christ that would resemble the Father? I mean, how was God showing himself to a world who, through a man called Jesus Christ? You say he's 100% God. He is. He never ceased to be. But he lived as 100% man. And so how did God do it? Oh, I want to tell you, he expressed his power. The book of Acts says that the miracles and wonders in which Jesus did, God did through him. God expressed his power. 
manifested his power. It's effectual power. In other words, it's effective to whatever he calls me to do. It's effective to whatever step I take, wherever I go, whatever I get into. God's power is effective for my life. Secondly, the extensive power of God. As I said, this word power is a different Greek word than used at the beginning of verse 19. And this word power speaks of ability or is translated strength. So what is it saying? Watch what it says. According to the working of his mighty ability or his mighty strength. So what's the extensiveness of this power that's available to you and I as we walk by faith through Christ? Well, what is the strength and the ability of God? I I mean, think about it. Can you define, can you put a pin on the strength and the ability of God? Is there ever an end to the strength and the ability of God? No. So whatever God is able to do, he's made available to us to walk in it. Now, I want to make that statement again. Whatever God is able to do, he's made it available for us to walk in it. So whatever power God utilized in all the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the strength of God's power has been made available to you and I if we'll just trust him and thank him. For what he's given us. Well let me show you one last thing. The evidence power of God. This word working here. As I said. Speaks of the energy of God. It's also translated once as the operation of God. You say what do you mean? Well God evidences his operation. God evidences himself. By manifesting that power. We're going to look at this Sunday morning, but look at verse 20 real quick. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on his own right hand in heavenly places. So let me ask you a question. When Martha, Mary, John, Peter, when they realized fully that Jesus was a rose, that he's no longer in the grave, who do you think they gave credit to? You think they said in their hearts, wow, what this man Jesus Christ just did. Oh, no. Let me tell you something. The only one that could get the credit for the resurrection was the Father who resurrected his Son. And God expresses this great power, evidences it through our life on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis. Now, let me ask you a question. You're walking in this world. You're walking at a time that's a very troubling, very confusing, very difficult time. Those around you, your family, your friends, or if you're still working, your coworkers, they're watching. Can I tell you what they're watching for? They're watching to see if there's something about you that's different than everybody else in this country 
in this time. People that are panicking. People that are shutting themselves in closets. People that are absolutely petrified. They're watching. And here's what they're watching. Is there a powerful piece about you different than the rest of this world? Is there a powerful understanding that God's in control in you in contrary to relying upon what our government does? Is there a powerful dispensation about you or a countenance about you whereby in the midst of all this you're able to rejoice and be glad for this is the day the Lord has made. You say, wait a minute, you mean even the days of the coronavirus? Hey, this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. You say, well, preacher... I can't rejoice in this day. I can't, do, I can't come to church, and I, I love to come to church. Hey, I can't wait till the day you're sitting here. I love these six or seven people I preach to every service. But hey, I want to see a house full of people to preach to. But does the world see an unbelief that causes us to wring our hands? Or does the world see a power that sustains and prevails? A power that allows us to walk in joy in spite of our circumstances. A power that makes us realize, yes, we need to be cautious, but hey, God's in control. Which is it? What's your family saying? What's your children see? What's your coworkers see? You see, the power of God that sustains, the power of God that prevails, the power of God that saves, the power of God that helps you to walk in the Christian life. If it's in you, it will evidence itself through you. Try to take his power and bottle it up. I'll tell you what will happen. Something will explode. You can't bottle up the power of God. And here's what I know. If it's in you, it'll come to you. And it'll evidence itself in you to a lost and dying world who's looking to a governor, looking to a president, staying glued to the news every hour of every day they're home, wondering when this is going to end, when it's all going to be over, analyzing every statement that one makes and every comment that one makes. How about this? Nothing wrong with watching the news. I watch it from time to time. But how about this? God... I may not be able to go to church till June 1st. I may not be able to go to church till May 1st. I may not be able to go to church till July 1st. But I want to thank you today that your power is able to sustain me. Your power is able to grow me. Your power is able to teach me. Your power is able to do for me whatever I need. 
liberty, listen to me. I heard, I had one of my members text me. And they said, I can't wait to get back. I'm going to dance down the aisles. I kiddingly texted them back and I said, we're Baptists, you can't dance. But I want to hear to tell you, I'm liable to dance with them. I can't wait till we get back. But here's what I know. When we get back, the same power that's in you now is the same power that's going to be in you then. Getting back to church is not going to allow you to walk in more power. But your faith. See, if you don't see it, if you don't know it, you're not going to walk in it. If you're still searching for it, you're not going to find it. Because if you're saved, you already have it. Walk in what you have. Thank him. Praising for what he's already given you. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your word, your truth, and for your exceeding great power. Supernatural power. Superabundant power. Thank you today that for every one of your children, we have Christ. And all power in heaven and earth was given to him. And you gave him to us. Oh, Father, thank you today. May we walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.